from Hamilton, Ontario, and welcome to ASCII's podcast show, Can We Talk? Conversations in Early Childhood Education. In today's episode, a conversation about being in relationship with the outdoors, you will hear ASCII's Kim Burns have a conversation with Kaylee Talbot and Amelia Pratt from Village Treehouse Childcare, who share their views on outdoor environments and how they work with children and families on creating a respect for the outdoors through gardening, land-based learning, and appreciating long periods of time outdoors. To see photos of what Kaylee and Amelia have created and to learn more about their projects, you can check them out on Instagram at under the maple tree. The conversations in today's podcast are part of a series of conversations we're having with educators on the outdoors. So be sure to listen to our next episode when we chat with another educator about the evolution of her outdoor space. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Welcome, Kaylee and Amelia. I'm so excited to be here today in your beautiful space outdoors. And I'm really hoping that this podcast is going to be very enlightening for a lot of people. So if you could start by just telling me a little bit about your playground prior to the transformation. So when I first started working here, it was just blacktop and wood chips. And there was a big plastic climber right in the middle. And that was the main focal point of the land there were no garden beds there was no wildlife no pollinators and nature was not a priority on the land yeah I feel children and staff had very little say in um, additions that would be made and our space didn't grow with us and it wasn't emergent okay so I think uh it sounds like you know these different deficits were what really inspired you to get started on your approach uh, to this new outdoor space that you have. So can you just tell us a little bit about that, how you started your journey? So Kwaima was a source of contention among the children. So we knew that the first thing that had to go was the Kwaima and the blacktop. Uh, We follow along with Rusty Keeler and his teachings and the way he uses the land. So that definitely inspired us. And we wanted to attract more wildlife and the pollinators and the beneficial bugs to start to grow our own food. So we just purchased a few garden beds and that's how we started that. It's always been a dream of mine for this space. I've worked here quite a long time and just know that the potential of this space was unlimited. And uh, Amelia and I began, began working together a couple of years ago and it's just like our passion and both of us are very driven. I can certainly see it is a passion. I'm sitting here and there's just so much to look at and to, you know, get excited about. I'm I'm thinking about uh, your land acknowledgement. I noticed you have a land acknowledgement posted in the playground. And as a non-Indigenous person, what does it mean to have that relationship with the land? So it's all about respecting and honouring where the land came from and who was here before us. So that's why we introduced our land acknowledgement to the children. We recite it every day and it's bringing respect to the Haudenosaunee people. We have repeated and constant time on our land. And so that's made us be more mindful of what's growing here, what animals are living here. We have the Three Sisters Garden, which is an Indigenous practice that we've introduced to our land. And we were giving back our first harvest to the land as well, instead of consuming it. So we shared our very first ever garden harvest with Shirley, who's the director of the program. We never take more than we need, and we always try to leave it better than we found it. 
which is something very important to us as well. That sounds wonderful. I'm just thinking about what other kinds of things that educators could do to strengthen their relationship with the land. They can find out who the land that they are on belong to, learn any native and invasive plants that are growing on your land, how to take care of those plants, the bugs that come along with those plants, repeated access to the land, and just trusting the land and the creatures on it to provide the provocations for the children. In a perfect world, forest and nature school would be easier to obtain for more people, but for now, get outside, no matter the weather, all year, and show the children that you are not afraid of it. Yeah, there's that saying about, you know, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. So how do you notice the children responding to this pedagogy of the land? They have a heightened awareness of all the little things. Like when they're running around, they'll see a tiny little sprout on the ground, and they'll get down low to investigate it and ask us what it is. They'll put sticks around it to protect it, to make sure no one else steps on it. And they notice more ecological and seasonal changes, like the leaves falling off the ground and, and the cicadas coming out in the summer as well. And the amount of care and compassion that they have for nature in general has just like, grown exponentially. That's wonderful. I can imagine, you know, that there's probably lots of lessons to be taught out there on the land. And I'm sure that children are really forming that relationship and becoming more empathetic to, as you say, the, the creatures and the plants um, that you have in the playground. Uh, what are some of the favorite things that the children might do out on the playground? Uh, well, because they have such a great relationship to the land, we notice their play is a lot of work to transform spaces to what they want. They collect and transport things. They're oddly attached to our compost bins. Um, <laughs> making <laughs> making healthy soil means healthy gardens and healthy bodies. And just really excited to add whatever leaf litter that they find into the compost. They love taking garden walks and I'll find them just sitting in a corner somewhere watching the bees pollinate the flowers or I'll find them in the herb garden like taking handfuls of mint and oregano and just tasting everything that they're allowed to taste and they love collecting so we make them foraging pouches so they can collect all their special nature finds and transport them around the land with them. That's wonderful. Do you do that when you go on a walk? Do you take them on a walk and uh, have them take their little foraging pouches with them no we have so much on our land to offer and to give them this is more than enough that's this is what they need this is what they want they just want they're always asking to be outside so it sounds like children really view the rights of the natural world here which is just lovely so tell me a little bit about how what you're doing aligns with the four foundations of how this learning happened uh, in relation to well-being, we have started doing outdoor naps. So in, after lunchtime, the children will do their bathroom routine and then we'll grab a book and a blanket and we'll head outside. Each child has a yoga mat. So we place the yoga mat down in the thicket and then they'll lie down on their beds and they're just watching the bees and they're li listening to the squirrels and they're noticing the birds and they're investigating low down on the ground with the ants and what the little bugs are doing. And we found that they're much calmer before, during, and after nap time as well. Sometimes we're in the classroom when they wake up early, they're on their beds and they're getting antsy and they're 
playing with things or tossing and turning. But when we're outside, they'll wake up and they'll just stare up into the trees and watch the clouds. And it's just magical. So I'm sure there's people listening out there that are wondering, how can you have children sleeping outside when we have to maintain ratios? So can you just talk a little bit about that? How do you manage the sleeping outside so both of us have to be out there for the full two hours so we neither of us take a lunch break which we're more than happy to do because we know it's benefiting the children greatly to be outside and they are constantly asking us can we sleep outside today can we sleep outside today even though it's torrential rain outside they're like can we sleep outside today interesting we've been discussing how long it's going to last into the fall and potentially winter and what thicker blankets we're going to need to get yep So I think, you know, with that said, the whole idea about how are children, how is that affecting children's behavior uh, while sleeping outside? I think you kind of mentioned that it's very calming for them. They don't tend to be as fidgety and and whatnot. So obviously they're, they love it. It sounds great. When you think about the sleeping outside, is there anything else that you would do that would be something that you would consider one of the four foundations? I I think everybody can plant a seed, water a garden, weed a garden, and just simply love a garden. And it when you do those things, it keeps you engaged and really connected. You know, they choose what they want to grow and the, have different relationships with the different things. Like you may love carrots and those carrots are what you're most attached to. And we just see those relationships with the different aspects of the land come alive. So tell me about how long the children are actually outside. Is it just the typical one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, or is it longer? We get outside as soon as we can. So as soon as anyone's done eating breakfast in the morning, usually by 8.30, we're outside. And we go right until 11.30 when it's time for lunch. That's awesome. So they're really getting a lot of time outside. So that's that's really great. Uh, and for expression, when you think about expression, I'm sure there's lots of ways you're bringing that outdoor experience into your inside program. So inside, we have actually been working on uh, playground mapping. So we created a giant map of where all our garden beds were and the children were looking through all our seed catalogs that we just have available around our classroom. And they were noticing all the different things that we're growing, like we're growing carrots, we're growing eggplants. And so we gave them some scissors and said, cut out everything that you see that we're growing, place it on this map of our playground. And they helped us do that. And yeah, it was, it's really amazing. And now we're checking off which things we're eating, like which things we've ate or which things are at the end of their, their growth life and just, able to draw on that huge picture that they've built together. So how is your cook engaged with bringing in your uh, harvest that you're gathering? We've definitely struggled to find a cook that's excited and up to this challenge. This is so much more, but we currently have someone that's very, very excited. He grew up gardening and um, has a lot of experience gardening with his family growing up. So he comes out to see the corn and he's really excited to hear about what the kids are excited about and kind of understands like how to cook. And maybe we've surprised him a couple of times with, well, we want to make pickles today with this huge harvest or you better be ready for potatoes. There's seven bags of recets coming your way soon, but he seems up to the challenge and really excited to, to explore what, we're, what we've grown. 
That sounds great. I mean, I think even as adults, we can learn lessons from, from this type of gardening, the whole idea of composting and sustainability, and especially now with our playground funding that we had recently received from the city of Hamilton, just that whole idea of thinking about climate change. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you have a cook that, you know, is getting excited about this. And it's great, great learning for the children. So I'm wondering about how families have embraced you and what you're doing. Our families have been absolutely incredible. We got an order of 33 trees, which was a big task to plant all of those trees. But we asked for any help from the parents whatsoever. And we had all the mums show up with babies and strollers and they brought shovels and they're digging holes with their kids. And we got 33 trees planted with in their December. help in December, <laughs> which was incredible. Anytime we need something, we were doing maple tapping and we had so much maple water. We didn't know what to do with it. And we just put out a SOS. We need something to put this maple water in. And a mom dropped off big jugs that we could fill. It was, they've just been absolutely incredible. They definitely feel our excitement and it, they're just also so excited. The conversations about our program are happening at home and they're coming and now they're asking us things. And we are just so, so fortunate with the, with the parents that we have here. That's great. It sounds like they've given a lot of support. Have you had any other engagement from outside of the center from the community? Has anybody reached out? We have Bob from Brant County Garlic, who's been donating our garlic harvest every year. So he's been sending us boxes and boxes of garlic bulbs that we've been planting. And Cake and Loaf has been donating green onion scraps that we've been replanting into the gardens as well. Our trees were all purchased through Harper's and they've been incredible with helping us with tree knowledge in general, like if there's pests or we have questions about how something is growing or the children have questions, we can just message the people that work there and they've been incredible. And a local politician also grows pollinator plants and donated a ton of different native pollinators to our land as well. That's great. That's, you know, besides donating their own time, being able to bring in some things physically, that that's wonderful um, to get that extra support. I'm just curious, if a new parent comes for a tour, are there ever any concerns about children being bored outside? Because, you know, they would come in and probably expect to see the traditional kind of playground equipment in the playground. But in, in this case, they're, they're coming in and they're just seeing all these beautiful plants and gardens and different experiences for children that are more natural. I think when you come in off the street, Wilson Street's a very busy street, but when you come in the back, you can't hear traffic. It's calming. The children are engaged. I think that those questions about boredom maybe would dissipate if you looked out on the land and saw all of the children working at whatever they're working on. Some do follow us on social media before they put their children in and they're blown away at what they do see. For the most part, parents are typically just surprised by the land in general when they're coming in from the street. But having said that, we definitely do have some traditional toys we just observe them not using them in traditional ways for example if the duplo has been left out and it's rained we've observed the children taking little tiny duplos full of water to garden to water the garden with and not even building with them 
I actually saw someone putting isopods in the toy cars that we had out and driving them around. Incorporating They're some of the natural things they've learned out there with, with use traditional toys. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, I want to ask this question. There must be some challenges that you've come up against. And if if there have been, what strategies have you used to overcome them? So we share the land with other educators who maybe don't have the same passion that we do, which is fine. But sometimes we feel like the care and respect isn't on the same level where we are. So things are left messy or things are being stepped on and, you know, choosing things for the playground that we don't necessarily need. Yeah, I think just the strategy for that is just that we try our best to be strong and educated in our values and really advocate for the program and what we believe in. And then I would say another challenge would be sometimes health department and sometimes ministry guidelines are, you know, we can't have chickens. We really want chickens or we can't have a pond or water, which we understand. But for the most part, Steph and Shirley always advocate for what we need and really help us to get to our goals. And that's, that's really important to us. Absolutely. If there was one more thing that you could add to your playground, what would it be? Oh, so many things. We'd love a fire pit, pond, bat boxes, anything that's risky play, like a stream, (laughs) chickens, chickens. (laughs) Doesn't sound like the chickens is going to happen. There's still a possibility some of those other things uh, could happen. So if I was an educator at a center and I'm listening to this podcast, what are some of the first steps you'd recommend for people who would like to get started on a playground project like this? I would reach out to your parents and your local community for any help or donations that they could possibly give you and just start simple. Buy a packet of beans and a garden bed and a bag of soil and see where that takes you. I think speak to the children in your care. Gardening and land-based learning is just absolute magic and let their wonders guide you and trust your land will provide you with the provocations. And I think just follow them. Sounds great. So we're coming to the end of our time together. And I'm just wondering, as an educator, what are some of your favorite changes in the playground? Getting rid of the big plastic climber that was an eyesore. Um, The trees have completely transformed the space. They brought in so much wildlife and shade and different leaves. And the children can now like pick up a leaf off the ground and they know what kind of tree it's come from. And there's so many more pollinators and it's just wonderful to watch. Yep, the land is just no longer an empty play space. It's really become their home and they care for it, as well as all the plants and the creatures in it. And it just seems so huge. Well, this has been such a great time to spend talking about your playground transformation. And if you want to get a sneak peek at this, you can follow their Instagram account, which is under the maple tree. And I know you won't be disappointed with what you see. They're just learning so many great things. The children here are so lucky to have both of you, um, you know, educating them as well as the parents. And I'm sure that it's very much appreciated by everybody. So thanks, ladies, for um, giving me this little tour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.